Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live. Good morning and welcome to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. We exchange dialogue every Thursday from 11 to 1. And today we're talking about love, power, and oppression. The dynamics between black women and black men. Black women and black men share a unique history of rising against the odds, of coming together. But what happens when we come together? How do we approach love and intimacy? How do we interact in the corporate world? How do we relate to one another within the family structure? Today, we're going to take a special look at the dynamics between black women and black men from the standpoint to contribute to the healing and the unity of the black community. So today I am joined by Mr. Robert Pierce, author and entertainer, entertainment manager, and Mr. Johanse Sarant, entertainer and community activist who is joining us all the way from my home, Southern California. We'll be discussing communication, crossover theory as it pertains to stress. That article that came out that said white men, black men are the white people of the of black people, I know y'all were really riled up with strategies for bringing black men and women together. So as always, we've got some trending topics to discuss, research to dish, and of course, my weekly balance challenge. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back on The Live Exchange. Today, we are looking at the dynamics between black men and black women. Um, and I have two really awesome guests here with me today who have a lot to say about this topic. And um, one of which is Mr. Robert Pierce. And um, I'm going to go ahead and let him, both of them, but I'm going to let, let's start with Robert Pierce and let him tell you what it is that he does. Good morning. Good morning. First of all, let me say thank you for having me on the show, Dr. Pam. No problem. Um, it's a pleasure. I, I watch every week. He, he's loyal. Faithful I viewer. love it. Yes. And I finally made it. I was supposed to be here before, but the night before, I ate some bad hot wings Ooh. and got food poisoning. Okay. Um, but I'm happy to be here, so thank you for having me. What do I do? I, I'm an author. I authored a book some years ago, Navigating Through This Thing Called Life. Um, a book I wrote some just about life, navigating how to get through life purpose. Um, I am a entertainment manager. I manage artists. Um, I'm not going to say their names. You would know their names, <laughs> but just for time's sake, and we don't want to distract. Um, I'll be one of them in the future. Yeah, I manage <laughs> artists, singers, rappers. Uh, we do it all. Uh-huh. Um, I have a own my own um, nonprofit. Yes, Tickle Pass Pink. Yes, um, supporting breast cancer. Um, I do a lot, so we'll stop there. It's all over the place. I can go, yeah, I can go on for days. <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank thanks you for, for having me. Now, um, Robert Pierce has been um, a, a huge supporter of Women, Wine, and Wisdom, which is a relationship discussion event that we've, um, gosh, it started in 2013. 20- 
13. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and so he has been a great contributor to the event, even, um, being on the panel. Yeah, I was on the panel yes, a few times. Yeah. And so he's had some really great things to say and great contributions to the conversation about relationships. So I had to get him here for today's show, um, on this topic. Our second guest is Mr. Johanse Sarant. He's on the phone. How are you doing, Johanse? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to hear your voice. Yeah. I Yeah, a long time. I know it's been a long time. I, I was in California. I was born and raised in California. So um so I got to know Johanse from the Claremont Colleges in California, in Southern yeah. California. Um and I invited him to the show because he did a very um simple yet compelling post that um I thought, wow, we have to talk about this a little bit more. So I will tell you all about the post in a little bit. But I first want to give Johanse the opportunity to introduce himself. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Johanse Sarant, also known as Merc80, M-E-R-C-8-0. Um, like uh, Pamela said, I uh, met at the Claremont Colleges. I went to Pomona College and um, majored in English, minor in Black Studies, then went to UCLA for grad school in um, urban planning. Uh, throughout that time, pretty much all my life, I've considered myself an artist, especially with music, um, doing different kind of musical forms and things like that, and um, which led me into DJing. So that's kind of one facet of what I do um, for the past few years, or well, actually for a long time. Even when I started college, I started tutoring and teaching. So I've been an educator. Uh, for, you know, pretty much every kind of grade you can think of. Um, last year I quit my teaching job and just went full-fledged into uh, doing artistry. So I'm doing DJing. I helped a friend of mine do a art exhibit called Misrepresented, um, and I'll spell that out for you guys later to, you know, check out online. Um, but essentially it was, it, it was um, dealing with women of color, intersectional feminism, uh, celebrating uh, girls of color who skate and skateboard and looking at a lot of uh, popular culture and the objectification of women and the leaving out of women of color uh, through, you know, various, um, I guess you say various things that are considered cool, mm-hmm. but then, you know, also saying, okay, well, these women are human beings. These are our homegirls. These are our sisters. These are the people who show up to the skate park and, while, you know, I saw, you know, one of the girls that we were shooting, she's like 12 years old and we were skating and then her friend showed up, a boy who was probably at least like 16, 17. And then underneath his board, his board is, you know, a girl pretty much uh, topless, you know, holding oh. her, her breast. And, and so really you got to start thinking, you know, you, you, you do need to just at least acknowledge or start thinking about what kind of messages in media we're sending and what we're you know, what we're saying, whether it's subtly or overtly about mm-hmm. how we treat each other and how we treat um, other people. So wow. um, that's that's basically it. Well, and and so you all can see why I had to have him on this show <laughs> yeah. to, you know, to, to provide that perspective. I think that is um, pretty great. Um, that's beyond what I realized you were doing. So I would love to know more, you know, about this movement as we go along. So, but before we continue on um, with this topic, we're going to go ahead and go into trending topics. Trending topics. Okay, so this week's trending topics uh, is brought to you by Heavenly Helpers Assistance. Um, if you need assistance for yourself or for your loved ones, Heavenly 
Helper's Assistance is there to help. Reach out. They offer uncompromising excellence, commitment to care. Go to their website. It's www.heavenlyhelpersassistance.com. So check them out. We have got a lot going on in the news. I've heard a lot of people talk about how frustrating um, or how daunting all of the headlines have been lately between, of course, we've got, um, you know, basically a lot of weather situations that are going on. We've had, you know, the shooting that happened last week. Um, But this week, Hurricane Nate hit northern the northern Gulf of Mexico. Um, And this was this past weekend before going inland and causing tornadoes in the Carolinas. Um, And so it's the fourth hurricane to to landfall in the U.S. um, in a frenetic frenetic, uh, 45-day stretch of the 2017 Atlantic hurricane season. Wow. It's it's a lot. um, let me see. Um, let me see if there's anything about that. The, the wildfires. I have to jump to that. The wildfires in California. Whew. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one thing about being in California, as Johansson probably knows, is that we have a fire season. You know, we know mm. a certain time of year there's going to be fires. Everything is dry. Everything is you know you know prone to severe fires. But this is pretty intense. This is it probably is. bigger uh. than what we've seen. What, are, is this bigger than what you've seen, Johansson? Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I remember the, the worst that there was was sometime around the 90s. Uh, but I saw a graphic yesterday talking about the wildfires from kind of a like a satellite perspective. And it, it looks real bad. Yeah. Like real, real bad. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a war you zone. Know? It's it's pretty awful. And, yeah. and there are 22 wildfires that have broken out. Um, 22. And it's burned at least 170,000 acres, destroying 305,000 structures, including homes and businesses. Um, as of Wednesday, 21 people have died, 185 people have been injured, and 150 people are still missing. Wow. I mean... You know, and, wow. we, and and because of the fact that we're so, you know, used to the fires happening every year somewhere, somehow, there usually aren't the casualties. You know, that's yeah. not usually a piece of it. Okay. But this has become so residential and, and, and you know, even hitting the businesses that this is beyond what, you know, like I said, what I've seen before. Yeah. And then with the droughts, there's no water out there there's to no water. put it out. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's gotten to the point where the firefighters have ceased with trying to put the fires out and have gone into rescue and recovery let's just gotcha. try to get people out of out of the path and just let it burn itself out yeah yeah i mean it's it's pretty um intense i have a friend who works for a winery in napa who um you know you see the picture on his facebook page as the uh cover photo beautiful mm-hmm. beautiful green pastures and all of that and then he's showing pictures of what happened after and it is just leveled mm. the whole the Jeez. whole place Jeez. yeah yeah so, um, I, I just got to say real quick, I, I, I just want to make sure that it's said that uh, global warming or this weather change is real. Absolutely. Uh, yes. You know, like we, we had we had a lot of rain earlier this year. They said that their drought was over, at least in L.A. But every year since at least 2012, it's been getting hot and humid. And I'm talking like 60, 70% humidity. And it doesn't get humid like out there. Like 90, 100 degrees in L.A. Like it's, it's been like 90 degrees at 2 o'clock in the morning. See, and, and that's it, unusual. Um, the, the heat, yeah. not so much maybe. maybe and, and it is, that is pretty intense heat though. But the humidity, I didn't really experience humidity until I moved over here to the south. Because yeah. it was just so no, uncommon. It, it, it's definitely been happening in the past five years. Wow. Definitely. 
Wow. Okay, well, we have we have um, other news to cover, but you know what? We're going to cover that later because um, those were the, probably the two most pressing issues. Um, and then, so, but when we come back, I'm really ready to delve into this conversation. Let's go. So, let's go. So stay with us. We'll be right I'm back, ready. and we're going to be talking about black women and black men. <laughs> Welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, we are talking about the connection and the relations and the dynamics between black women and men. And I kept it open on purpose. I could have said we're going to talk about love and relationships, but I want to look at the whole thing. I want yeah, to look it's deeper at, than that. Yeah, we have a lot of ways in which we're connected, and I, I want to make sure that we cover all of that. So one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is because there was a post that um, there was this, there, I don't know what was going on that day, but two of my Facebook friends did a post about the relationship between black men and black women. And they happened at the same time on the same day and they do not know each other. Wow. Um, I, it was Johanse Sarant and Grace Grant. And Grace couldn't, she was going to join us today, but she's actually on a plane right now. So it didn't work out. Um, so I'll kind of try to speak to her point of view as much as I can because I, I had a good conversation with her. But let me just say what she, what, let me read what she posted. She said, this may rust, ruffle some feathers. And of course, it's not all men. But in my experience of dating and comparing a wide variety of black men across the African diaspora, an African-American man is best described to me as an African man and a racist white man rolled uh, into one body. Mind you, this came out before the article came out, which makes sense considering the obvious black American circumstances around surrounding our history. I have clearly seen the watered down effect between a pure African man and an African-American man. Black African men treat black women like racist white men treat black men. Even further, us black women still love and defend our African-American men, particularly the damaged ones, as almost as a victim grows to love its perpetrator or like a slave grows to love its master. Are African-American women suffering from Stockholm Syndrome in regards to black, black American men? Just my observation, and I'm willing to be convinced otherwise. This fueled... Uh, I was afraid of what this discussion was going to turn mm. into, but I have to say that the majority there was probably there were hundreds of responses, and the majority of them were women saying, "Oh my God, thank you for saying this. This validated my experience." Which I thought there was going to be a fight. It turned into this this whole unity thing, and which was like, "Whoa!" So I go scroll down Facebook, and then I see Johanse's post, okay. and Johanse says, "Fellas, we keep saying, quote, not all men." But there are so many of us doing dumb ass stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> At the same time, it's kind of hard to take seriously now. You know it's true. We are not leading on the species credibility scoreboard at all. Like, we're just not. LOL. I'm going to let y'all talk. Those are the two quotes. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, talk. I, can, I don't even have a question. I just want to hear what you think. Um, well, so so let me um, jump in real quick on on a little bit of the context of what I wrote, okay, and a con and that's some more context about myself, especially as we're talking about black people, and I'll try to not keep it long winded. Okay. Um, firstly, um, I am everything that I'm approaching, especially these days, in regards to the art that I'm doing, in regards to the discussions that I'm having is in this idea of decolonizing ourselves from a lot of this Western 
mentality, a lot of white supremacist mentality. So most of my life, I've always felt kind of like an outsider because there were certain things, at least about American culture, that didn't sit well with me. Okay. You know, um, I was, you know, I was largely raised by my mom and she taught me uh, at an early age a lot about black history, um, African kings and queens, slavery, all of that type of stuff. She, you know, was was an activist herself. So um, learning that history early, it always sat with me that there was something about how uh, the colonizers would talk about indigenous people being so much more generous and friendly and equal with each other in certain things. So I always kind of felt like a lot of the standards people of color were trying to live to were still trying to emulate white supremacy and white standards mm-hmm. and Western standards. Um, so I don't believe, first off, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the belief of any kind of uh, battle of the sexes. To me, that's a, a Western idea okay. that we need to be black that women and men of any kind need to be fighting each other right. or fighting over power that's just not we got to flip that lens mm-hmm. so when i wrote that i was working on the misrepresented project i was dealing with you know seeing a lot of what um the main producer adrian williams a lot of what she was going through in uh creating it where we have one guy who nearly tried to take her idea and tried to poach some of our models I had another guy who tried to cheat me out of some money. There was another dude who was supposed to pay a friend, and he didn't. And then I had hear from two other people who describe him as shifty. And so there's a there's a thing that I just started noticing about men and boys, at least at a certain age, where they start lacking a certain amount of discipline, and it causes them to just kind of do whatever they kind of think they should or want to do. And the thing is, is that... Um, when we start treating each other badly, it doesn't matter if you treat your girl good. You know, okay, I didn't cheat on my girlfriend. Okay, but then you cheated somebody out of their money. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make you an honorable man. Right. You, when you play this person or play that person, how is your girl supposed to look at you? And mind you, I also want to just keep this, at least spark this in here and there that, you know, yes, I'm talking predominantly heterosexual relationships, but I mean, across the board, whatever kind of relationship you have, how can someone honor you as a man and call you a good man if you're if you're still slacking on your discipline in every place else? You're, you're and then that makes men, right. <laughs> and then that makes men overall look bad because just because you you know you just like the Weinstein you created created all these great movies and everything, but then you're doing other things behind closed doors, and then when that comes to light, then who are you? Right. You know, so the reason why I wrote that was to, to, for us to say, like, look, let's not sit here and say not all men, but then you're going around doing the flip side of things. Now, when it comes to your homegirl's, um, uh, your friend's um, other quote, I've seen a lot of women who have agreed or felt that way, and then I've seen a lot of women disagree. Yes, there was my, a but my, my, the, the, the point that I'm concerned at is that the language and a lot of the framing of these discussions are that black women, women nearly feel held hostage. And there's a, there's a point at which we do need to ask why the environment feels that way. But there's also kind of a point where I have to say, okay, are you, you, you're feeling like you're held hostage. Like there's, there's a point at which, you know, we got to really pay attention to the language that we're using Mm -hmm. when we're talking about, 
the, the circumstances of what's going on. Yeah, that, that's basically the best way I can put it. Okay. Well, well, when we come back, we've got to we got to hear Robert Pierce's um, take on yeah. this as well. Um, so stay with us, and we'll be right back. All right. So the science, the science, the science. Um, Today's um, research for this first hour is brought to you by Red Door Consulting. Red Door Consulting is the company that can help get your company to the next level. It is a boutique management consulting firm that prides itself as an innovative leader in brand development. So Tarshish Jordan is the president of this organization, president and founder, and she has done some amazing things for companies, for organizations, and for individuals. So check them out at reddoorconsulting8.com. That's reddoorconsulting and the number 8.com. So today's theory is um, what is called crossover theory. And um, crossover theory basically talks about how one person's level of stress can be basically transferred over to somebody else. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so it is contagious. Yeah. <laughs> Studies <laughs> investigating the crossover of job stress and strain between partners have shown that job demands are, um, are transmitted um, from job incumbents to their partners, affecting psychological and physical stress uh, health. So what you're going through at work you bring home, even um, you know, especially if you're not paying attention to it, and that is going to in turn stress out the people that are in your home. Um, we um, let's see. There's a study that was conducted by um, Baker and Company, Baker and Folks, um, and it was published in the Journal of Applied Psychology. And they did a study among 168 couples of dual earner. Um, parents who use insight from their previous family conflict to propose, uh, um, you know, they basically looked at how, okay, I'm trying to get past all this fancy talk here. The, <laughs> the authors basically, they said that, that for both men and women, um, they thought that job demands would foster their own work family conflict. And, and so they looked at that and they found that basically that is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But what they also found that was surprising is that it doesn't matter the gender. So it doesn't, it, they, they assume that it would probably be more so that if the man is stressed at work, he's more likely to bring the stress home than the woman would. Well, he found, this study found that, nope, it's pretty equal. Pretty equal. It doesn't matter who's stressed, male or female, they're both going to bring that stress home. Yeah. So I thought that this was really important because we talk about the different levels of stressors that we have as African-American men and women um, from you know the standpoint of the workplace from microaggressions what's going on in society with police brutality mm-hmm. all of those things that come together and compound us how do we resist passing that stress on to the other person and that person you know kind of just passing it back and forth yeah and so so that's the research wow okay. so, yes 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 but i i'm really anxious to hear robert's um Take well, well, I want to speak on that because in my own home, I yes. can definitely say if I had a stressful day, I'll set the tone in the house when I get home. Yeah. And I even know it's when my wife has a stressful day at work, mm-hmm. the atmosphere shifts. So right. what I try to do is um, before I get home, try to dump that stuff off. So whatever way, got to be healthy way. Right. And so I may drive the long way home. Mm-hmm. 
and play some overly aggressive music. <laughs> get it out. To get it out. Yeah. yeah. And literally, so I don't come in because it shifts the atmosphere immediately. Interesting. You can just tell. Well, it's interesting that you said overly aggressive music because I would have thought, you know, some, some meditative music, but but it's different for everybody. Yeah. For you me, I, it's aggression. I yeah. want to get out. So yeah. let me get it out. Right. You know, right. in my music. Right. And then when I get home, then I can cool out. But, yeah. you know, that, that aggression has to go somewhere because, you know, like you said, you may come home and driving home and the police are following me right you know i live in a good neighborhood but they follow me mm -hmm. and so that gets you mad oh yeah you know or you look at the news all that's going on right or just what's going on in your life mm -hmm. and so to get that aggression out you know some folk go to the gym first yeah and you know so whatever it is that's healthy to figure out what you figure it do. out before yeah. you get home right. because it's definitely going to set the atmosphere absolutely absolutely yeah. wow okay all right johansson do you have anything to add to that with the stress um, if, if it were me, especially with whoever I got to home, come home to, I'll probably tell them as early as possible, hey, I'm having a stressful day, so mm -hmm. don't take it personal. Yeah. <laughs> Communicate. That's good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's so important. Yes. All right. So before the break, we talked about what the, the different, you know, a couple of um, Facebook posts that was posted by Johanse and a friend of mine, um, um, Grace. And we, we got to hear Johanse's take on it as the beginning of the conversation. So I would love to hear um, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I, um, I didn't read the articles, but just hearing, um, I've, I think, as everyone said, that we have to be careful with the language. The language. Mm -hmm. Um of and how we presenting it. I get I get the argument. Mm -hmm. Um and I can see the perspective from the woman who wrote that. Mm -hmm. Um because that's her experiences and I definitely respect the experiences, but that's not everyone's experience. Right. Um we as black men, well, we know we got some issues. And um I would be the first to say um that we have to be more mindful how we present ourselves and carry ourselves with one another and especially with our black women. Mm -hmm. We mess it up a lot. Let's be real. You know, brothers, let's stop playing games. Mm -hmm. We mess up a lot. And a lot of it we do on purpose. We know what we're doing and we're doing it and we got to stop it. Um, but even in that, there are some some brothers out there who are getting it right. And I don't think the conversation leans more towards them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I said them. I don't even put myself in that category. <laughs> I it's, don't know why. <laughs> it's them. No, I'm, yeah. I'm jacked up. My wife been married me 21 years. She knows. <laughs> we should have had her sitting here, too. <laughs> yeah, that I could mess it up, and yeah. I messed it up on purpose sometimes. But, I mean, is it, okay, so what part of that is just I'm human and I mess up? Because who doesn't mess up? Yeah. And what part of that is, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. How do you separate that out? It's, it's hard because, you know, um, I always tell people, you know, there's mistakes that people make, and then there's character traits. Mm -hmm. And we have to separate the two. You know, there's some people that make mistakes, and they make them over because they haven't learned. But then there's some who, that's their character. Okay. And, and they're not going to change. That's They're doing it on purpose. Mm -hmm. They see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're a manipulator. They're a conniver. They're shysty. They're telling you who they are. Mm -hmm. And um, unfortunately, we don't believe them most of the time. Especially women, because those guys know how to talk. Yeah. We know how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I can act nice for a season. Right. To right. get what I want. Wow. Uh, so, so that reminds me of a statement that a, a friend of mine told me, and he said that um, that men are opportunists. So, so and, and this was under the backdrop of 
men will do what women allow them to do. If unless a woman holds them accountable, they're going to do what they're allowed to do. That makes me wonder, is that, is that fair to say, or is it, you know, can a man just, you know, not, you know, make a decision without having a woman have to hold him accountable for making the right decision? Hold your thoughts. Before yeah, you respond, we're going to go to break and we come back. I want to hear both of your responses to that question. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And we are talking about the dynamics between black women and black men. And we have two black men who are with us on the show today. We have Mr. Robert Pierce, who's here in studio. And we have Mr. Johanse Sarant, who is on the phone all the way from lovely Southern California. So before the break, I asked the question, uh, you know, because I had a friend tell me that men are opportunists and that they are going to do what they are allowed to do. So if they are interacting with a woman who isn't holding them accountable, um, you know, they're going to do whatever it is that they're allowed to do. So my question was, does a man have to make a decision about what he does based on a woman holding him or not holding him accountable? And Robert was ready to jump on that one. Well, (laughs) a man does not. A boy does. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of grown boys. And, so, and and what I mean by that, let me let me fix this up and help everyone out. Um, as a man, when you really accept your manhood and know who you are, mm-hmm. then you'll start making decisions based upon yourself and knowing what you want. Um, a boy is going to be led by mama. Okay. Oh. Okay, I get that. Yeah, no, yeah, that, yeah. This is, the light bulb went on on that one. Okay, got it's going to be got led it. by mama. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mama has to dictate mama to has a to boy. Hold, accountable. hold me accountable. I'm not trying to be nobody's mama. Yeah. Outside of Many me. women say that, but, but you, we do you, it. you do it. You want and it. I have you want done it. it. You want it. Yeah. I'm not doing it now, but I have done it. Absolutely. <laughs> Johanse. <laughs> um, I, I, there's, there's a, a lot in there that I'm, I'm going to try to keep contained. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, there's a difference between being somebody's mom and holding them accountable. And yes, men want the reflection of themselves to hold them accountable. Mm-hmm. If, if this is just this is just kind of human nature. Period. Here's the flip side of it. I've heard a lot of women tell me, "I need a man that can keep me in check," or "I know that I can get this way and that way, so I need a guy to kind of keep me like X, Y, and Z." I've heard and that too. I find that usually to be problematic because it's like. If you know that you have an issue or something like that, I don't need to be your father. I don't need to train you or whatever. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So if, if there's something that we need to talk about in terms of how we treat each other, then cool. But I don't really do um, overpowering leverage dynamic. I don't do that. <laughs> so it's just like you would with any other kid. And my, my brother was over here. We were advising my sister <laughs> and uh, about a situation and, you know, it was like, if, when you see a child, if they knock something over, and you say, okay, don't do that again, or else you're going to get a whooping, then they knock it over again. Then you say, okay, don't do that, or else you're going to get a whooping, then the kid isn't going to really take you seriously. You, you, There's a point at which, I, I, you know, a lot of guys have said it at least one point or another, that a lot of times a girl will say, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do that, and then when it comes to actual action, then they end she up does. kind of, you know, folding. Uh-huh. So if you don't stand your ground 
And if you don't hold them accountable and say, you said you were going to do this, you didn't do it. That's the bottom line. It doesn't have to be an emotional thing. And I, and I think that a lot of times we react out of emotion of why did somebody didn't do what I wanted them to do. But it doesn't mean that sometimes you can't just bring it up or check them or whatever. But right. I think that a lot of times women expect that guys are going to do it out of their own volition. And sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. And we always but, want them um, to. <laughs> Sure. We always but, fully you know, expect that they will, even if their track record has shown that they won't. That they won't. Yeah. yeah. I I got I got to cut you off right here because we're about to go to break, um, and then we'll be right back to continue this conversation on the live exchange. Keeping your balance with Doctor Pamela. Doctor Pamela. Doctor Pamela. All right. Welcome back. So this week's balance challenge i want you all to start talking to each other that is my mission in life is to help people communicate with one another so that we can get to deeper levels of understanding so um because we too much too often do we make assumptions do we paint everybody with a broad brush and 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 generalize that oh all people of this you know background are this way or that way and and that's just not necessarily true so what I want you to do this week is to sit down with somebody and have a very real and open conversation with them. I want you to have a conversation and learn their story. So somebody that you, you don't already know their story, um, or there's probably elements of their story that you just don't know. I want you to sit down and have a conversation and just listen to their story. Now, and, and it's not with the intention for you to be able to tell your story too. I want you to learn how to just listen and just take somebody's story in and digest it and listen with empathy and really, and really just um, try to connect with who this person is. So that is my challenge for you this week. Find somebody, pick somebody. If you're a black woman, I encourage you to choose a black man. If you're a black man, I encourage you to choose a black woman just based on the topic of today's show. And sit down with them and learn their story. That's your challenge for this week. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and we are talking about the dynamics between black women and black men. Why black women and black men? Well, we both have a shared history, and um, there are definitely some, some challenges and some tension that has taken place between us. There's definitely a lot of love, and I've, I, I see a lot of very positive relationships. But there are some challenges that I definitely want to see addressed, which is why we are talking about this on today's show. So um, the balance challenge was to have a conversation with somebody. Um, so I, I really want you all to take that challenge on. There was an article um, that came out a couple of weeks ago that everybody was under fire about. Um, everybody was very, um, there was some, I mean, I got pulled into some conversations. People tagged me, Dr. Pam has an opinion. What does Dr. Pam have to say? And, um, and to be very honest, I really didn't voice an opinion about the article either way because I felt like the timing was just really bad. We were in the middle of the firestorm with um, the football players and Kaepernick trying to take a stand, you know, for, for police brutality against men. And, and there were just a lot of things that were happening that I felt like this really pulled away from that. This was the article. It was um, titled Straight Black Men Are the White People of Black People. Now I, I understand the gist of the article and what the and, and I'm not saying that that the person was necessarily wrong. Here is what um, 
the basis of the article was. It, it was basically looking at um, black males within the black culture mm-hmm. from a standpoint of privilege, um, privilege over black women, and just the things that that black women experience often at the hands of black men that black men do not acknowledge. So that was the basis of the article. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't touch bases with you, Johanse, about whether or not you read it, but I know that Robert Pierce here read mm-hmm. it. Do you guys have thoughts on this? Well, yeah, I, I read the article this morning, mm-hmm. and um, I have to say, at first I was enraged, um, even to the point Walking up the stairs, we had the conversation. Yes, yes. But I've been mulling it over, and um, I have to say I agree. Um, and it's, I don't know if that's a bad thing. It's just, it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. The single black male in the context of the black community. In the context. That's important. Solely piece. in the context. Hear me, everyone. Yes. Solely <laughs> in the context of the black community, um, we would be considered you know, now I don't like the language again. Yes, the language of, <laughs> of being um, the white male, but in in this context, I understand what the writer was saying. Okay, uh, more so than I had to take emotion out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are the single—I mean, excuse me—the straight black male. Um, if there was a hierarchy in the African American community, we would be at the top. At the top, okay. hands down. Okay. Okay, and and I'm going to, before I let you respond, Johanse, I'm just going to read an ex- excerpt from the article. Um, it says, when black women share that we pose the same existential and literal danger to them that whiteness does to us, this is a black man speaking, and when black women ask us to give them the benefit of the doubt about street harassment and sexual hus- assault and other forms of harassment and violence we may not that we may not personally witness, and when black women tell us that allowing our cousins and brothers and coworkers to use misogynistic language um, that propagates the culture of danger. And when black women admit how scary it can be to get followed and approached by a man while waiting for a bus or walking home from work. And when black women articulate how hurtful it is for our reactions to domestic abuse and their rapes and murders to be that women need to do differently to prevent this to happening from happening to them instead of what we men need to do differently to prevent this from happening to them, their words are met with resistance and outright pushback. After demanding from white people that were listened to and believed that our livelihoods are considered, our ears are shut off and our hearts shut down when black women are pleading with us. All right. What, do you, what are your words, Johansson? Um Yeah, I, I had a lot of discussions with that article. And I, I mean, I talked to everything, everybody from other black men to other professors that I used to have at Pomona, uh, various men and women. And I had a lot of different perspectives on it. Um, there's some parts I agree with, there's some parts I don't, and I think that there's some parts that need a lot more exploration and um, kind of picking apart. Um, the part that I do agree with largely is, one, um, yes, men in general have had the advantage across the world and across the globe. If I go to uh, the Caribbean or, you know, various countries in Africa, a lot of places even here in America, as a male, as a black man, there's a lot of things that I could probably do and get away with. I think that there's also this hard-headedness with a lot of men that um, they're particularly talking about, especially where the quote came from in terms of the dynamic where, yeah, men will be like, oh, you know, the responses will be like, well, what were you wearing? Well, what were you doing? Absolutely. Well, what was this? And it becomes victim-blaming. Right. But 
there's a lot of other context to that, and I just have to, again, repeat the, this Western mentality, the white supremacist mentality, the idea that a lot of black men are trying to live up to in a standard of being a man is what we see white men doing, or what white, what white culture has deemed as being masculine or as being a man. I take what I want. I get what I want. I go after what I want. I'm the man. I do this. I do that. I call the shots. And, and, and we got to start asking ourselves, you know, when we start thinking about what society tells us we need to be as a man or a woman, mm-hmm. a lot of times that society that we're talking about is American culture, and American culture is largely white culture. Absolutely. And so a lot of times, yes, a lot of black men are performing white cultural standards or trying to reach that goal but they're still black, so there's certain things they can't do. You know, I think the idea of what I don't what I don't agree with is the idea of comparing privilege to who gets celebrated the most for dying. You know, I think that that's something right. that we need to really kind of think about as an idea. Is, is it a privilege that now more people pay attention because I'm dying or because more black men are dying? And does that negate the right. fact that women are also dying by the hands of black men? Which then, you know, leads into when we talk about poverty and the same stress dynamic you're talking about of coming home and trying to reach these goals that we're all trying to do with each other. Right. But we end up fighting each other, you know. So my question then is, you know, is there a way to pose this conversation in a way that that brings us together? Because. You know, I think that the points here are valid with regards to women, black women have been saying, here's our pain, here's our pain. And black men have, you know, and of course, not all black men, but black men have have said, yeah, 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 you know, they've disregarded it. But is there a way to have this conversation without getting those emotions up and, and in a way that's going to bring us together because my concern with the way and this is why I was concerned about the timing because mm-hmm. the way the conversations were going is they were very divisive and you know while the the truth is being put out there the the conversations were divisive so I don't know that yeah. it brought people together yeah and and I say the same sentiments timing is everything and you know it was like this came out at the worst possible time okay. where on one hand we're, we're trying to get unified right. and then they throw this in the ring this article yeah, real subtle but now okay men women go back to the corners right you yeah know. that's how I felt about it so it was hard yeah. for me to even digest the content mm-hmm. of, of the article because I saw the fierce battle that was going on between black men and black women yeah. just on social media alone as a result of this article and so um, and so for those of you who tried to pull me into the conversation and got frustrated because I refused to to get involved in it, um, it, it was because I, my heart was in a whole different place at the moment. Yeah. Not that I don't think that there's work that we need to do between us, but but right now we've got, you know, the president telling yeah. our our black male athletes that, you know, they need to be kicked out and they need right. to be fought. And there's a time and, and place for everything. And the owners of the football, yeah, we can go on. Owners yeah. now saying you bet not. Yeah, yeah you know. so for me, it was like, okay, that is not, yeah. like, we need to, to really focus on something that's going to bring us together so that we can get something done. Uh, but but well, I have, I, wait, I, let me let me stop you right there, because I have to go into the love letters real quick, and then we'll, we'll come back to this. Love Notes with Dr. Pamela. <laughs> okay, so today's love note comes from Nicole. 
Um, and, and, you know, if we, Johanse, I know you had something to add. So if, if what you have to add can integrate with her, with Nicole's question, that'll be perfect. Um, but she says, dear Dr. Pamela, I am single and dating. I consider myself to be a pretty good catch. I'm athletic, have a great career, and I love to travel. Um, the black men I have met are consistently not interested in a serious relationship. They are dating multiple women and become frustrated when I express being ready to settle down. My friends have suggested that I broaden my horizons and date outside of my race, but I truly love my black men. What can I do? This is such, this question comes up all the time wow. when we do events. Oh, I hear you, Hansi. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, no, it's, 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 I, I, I kid you not, like, it's, it's, it's so... The, the, the thing is, is it, it's so repetitious. It's yes. so repetitious. Yeah. And I think I can I can incorporate both. Okay, so okay. first off, <laughs> I understand. I think I understand what you guys, everybody is talking about in terms of like, yo, we're gaining ground and we're focusing and lasering in. We got the NFL on our site. We got Catherine going on. We got all this going on. So why are we now going this way, right? Right. Now, the, again, the piece that was written was written by a guy. It was. And I think that we do need to, you know, as a lot of people say, you can, you know, think about two things at once, right? You, you can think about the black male, women and men dynamic along with what's going on. Absolutely. But I think really what the, the undercurrent of it and, and the idea underneath it subconsciously is black women love black men so much that... They don't want to get discarded. So when we start having this NFL discussion and black women come in to reinforce us and back us up, mm-hmm. then once the fight is done or when it, whatever it is do, you know, we go back home and then we go back to being or however it was on the dynamic. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. We can't yeah. we can't ask for the support and then once they give us the support and be like, All right, cool, thanks. Go bank me a sample. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not that's right. not that's not being fair. You gotta be more appreciative of that. Now for the girl in in the in the in the uh, letter, mm-hmm. th- again, this is the thing. There's a lot of black women need to ask themselves, are you that dedicated to the idea that you need to be with a black man that you will throw off the entire trajectory of your possible future just to fit that narrative. I'm not saying that you can't, you know, I I would love black women to be with black men, especially like me. I'm single, just put that out there. (laughs) But, you know, the the, the thing is, is that there's there's so many women that say, I have to do this and I have to do that. Mm -hmm. I have to have it that way. If a person loves you and they're about fighting white supremacy, it doesn't matter. If they're going to treat you well, focus on that. But if you're just trying to do this, you know, this story, to, you know, for, for your own life, then you're really doing it out of ego, not out of what you really want. You know, if dudes are saying they don't want nothing serious, be like, okay, cool, thank you, bye. And then when they thank find you, themselves baby. alone and thinking about you, then they say, okay, well, maybe I should go back and reconsider because dudes do change their mind. So, as long, and again, what we said earlier, it's what you let them get away with. It. Right. If you let them get away with saying, nah, I ain't having nothing serious, then you ain't going to have nothing serious. Well, it's funny because during the break, um, Robert had mentioned that, that men will, will get it right for one woman. And, and I don't think you had a chance to elaborate on that, but that was because you said yeah, during the even, break. Even if we like say, I, I don't want to settle down date and we go away and, you know, we get lonely <laughs> and, you know, we'll come to ourselves and say, wow, that sister that I dated, that was really the one. I was mm. just playing games. We'll get ourselves together. And come back and say, okay, I was wrong. 
right. and all the everything that the woman wanted the man to be vulnerable and honest and all that. Better. When he come back, the sincere guy, you're gonna get all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting because you're not gonna get that if you don't hold your ground. If you don't if you don't hold him accountable, absolutely. You know he's there's he's not gonna have any reason to. Um, and you won't have any room for him because you're going to have a whole bunch of other jokers there <laughs> still playing games. You got your collection of jokers. <laughs> yeah. And so, as as the brother said, um, you can't be so locked in on your ideal sisters mm-hmm. that you're missing out on the whole world mm-hmm. because you're waiting for a black man to get it right. So so to what you both just said, my my concern is... What if I just so happen to be attracted solely to black men? I, you know, and it's not like a, uh, it's my <laughs> ego. Or, I just, I, I, I cannot, uh, you know, picture myself physically involved. And I'm just speaking hypothetically. This may or may not be true about Dr. Pamela, right. but <laughs> I cannot picture myself being physically involved with a man of a different culture. What if that is just the case? Like, you know, it, people are attracted to, certain genders, certain sizes, certain... And if the traction isn't there, I'm going to have to leave that question on the table because I'm being signaled that we need to go to break. But, (laughs) so hold on to your answers and we'll be right back. All right, welcome. You are in the second hour of the live exchange, and today we are talking about love, power, and oppression, the dynamics between black women and black men. And today I am joined in the studio by Mr. Robert Pierce, author and entertainment manager, and Mr. Johanse Sarant, entertainment and entertainer and or community activist, which I know I got your titles all wrong because you're a little bit of everything, both of y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, 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 that does right. Okay, yeah, good, because you guys cover a lot of what, based on what you do. Joining us all the way from Southern California, by the way. So we've been having a really great conversation about um, we've been really focusing on black men because honestly I I just want to know more you know I'm, yeah. I'm selfish here I brought them on so I can learn personally uh, some more things about the two of you if any of you um, want to call and get a part become a part of this conversation or text you can call or text six seven eight. If you want to join this conversation, that's 678-613-5857. Would love to hear your input. So my question before the break, what if, because the the question was for Nicole, uh, was from Nicole about, you know, she, she, she dates black men and none of them have been ready for commitment. And her friends are telling girl, you need to broaden your horizons. Janet Jackson broadened her horizons. You know, there's a lot of people who broaden their horizons. Um, I just so happen to not, we're hypothetically speaking here, be mm-hmm. attracted to men of other cultural backgrounds or racial backgrounds. Um, wh- what is that? Do you guys have a response to that? What if you're just not attracted? Uh, I mean, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, 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 are you sure? Like, let's really, like, okay, so first of all, let's, let's dispel the notion, because as we're having this conversation, I, I wanted to dispel the idea that, first of all, that um, there's this 
kind of unspoken idea maybe that maybe in other cultures they're not dealing with that problem, that white people don't have uh, issues finding a a good man or that Asian people don't have issues finding a good wife or a good mate or spouse or that. Everybody has this issue to some extent. Black people seem to talk about it the most. And the thing is, is that if you just have just no attraction to anything else and that's what you want, cool. But then I would say to you, all right, so you love black men and you want to make sure that you have black men in your life. What if that doesn't happen for you? What if it just doesn't happen? Are you willing to accept black man or nothing? You know, I, I, I've had to go through a lot of things. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the thing again, if you come into a relationship with too much ego, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready for love. And you got to be ready, and I'm, I'm a spiritual person, so you, whatever you want to relate it to, but I believe that you got to let God come in how he needs to come in, right. whether you get what you want or you don't. <laughs> but if you're going to, you know, if you are going to self-sabotage and run away from someone who's going to give you everything that you want hmm. because they didn't come looking like how you want, okay, fine. But if you <laughs> just you say, I want a black man, okay, cool. Well, you got Caribbean black men, you got African mm-hmm. black men, you got European black men. You got American black men. There's all kinds. Yeah. So you know, get out there and do your thing. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I concur. Um, I, I can't even argue. Yeah, that. limiting it yourself is you're putting yourself in a box, and you're, you're going to do as my brother said is self sabotage. Yeah. And you're going to find yourself frustrated, and okay. then the fear is you you just um, get to a point where you really just settle. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. Because you want a black man, and so, okay, here you go. Right, right, wow. Wow. Well, you know, it's funny because, um, so, so Robin and I have been working together on the Women Wine Wisdom um, events that happen here. They happen all over the country. In yeah. fact, we're, we're going to be in Atlanta on November 11th. We're going to be in California um, in February. February and, yeah. um, and so, so those of you in California, you have to, you got to be there. <laughs> we're coming. We're coming. Uh, <laughs> but, but the Women Wine Wisdom, for example, the last one that we had, and what it is, is a discussion event for both men and women to have exactly the kind of conversations we're having right now yeah. but you're live and you're in person and you get to practice your communication skills <laughs> with each other and what um uh, what a couple of women have said and particularly at the last one had, we had a woman who said that you know m- the dating experiences have just been bad here in atlanta a lot of people like to paint atlanta with the worst dating situation ever yeah. and it's just been bad it's been bad and every man i meet is this and that and i challenged her to think about her approach to dating and her mindset and and what she brings to the table in dating because when you expect to meet trash then you're going to and you do meet trash you're going to say well you know here he is and and i'm going to go ahead and try to work with this because this is what i expected anyway yeah and when you go to the trash landfill (laughs) that's what you're going to find that's what you're going to find right you're not looking for treasure right you know what i mean and so that that plays many contexts yeah but so many Men and women, we go to the trash landfill, right? And then we'll try to, try to figure up. out, yeah, try to we'll find try treasure. To, yeah, we're gonna dust it off. Yeah, and that's that's my new mate. Right, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it happen too many times. All right, we'll be right back on the live exchange. <laughs> 
All right. So trending. Um, we didn't get to talk about this in the first hour, but um, in the rapper Nelly, I, I heard some about it, but I didn't realize this. This is what happened. But he was arrested this past Saturday morning on second degree rape charges. Um, he was later released and the charges were dropped. He has vehemently de- denied any wrongdoings. I, yeah. So that just kind of leaves me with, well, I don't really know what to say about that because well, this you know, is in the entertainment business. Uh, this happens all the time. Um, un- unfortunate situation. You meet somebody and um, it goes to, to that place. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, the young lady, what it sounds like, didn't like how she was treated afterwards. Mm-hmm. She thought maybe there was going to be some type of relationship. And it was just what it was. And, so, and um, you know, no, we just got to be our entertainers. We just, our men in general, mm-hmm. we got to be careful with that. Yeah. You know. Um, is that is that what the story yeah, is? Yeah, that's or? the loosely, yeah. Okay, He's okay. like, you know, we this. Uh, he was like, it was a bad judgment. Okay. You know, we did it, but then all of a sudden, it didn't turn out the way she wanted it to turn out. Okay, so I'm going to go to the police. Yeah, so, yeah. You, and that's one of the things that, that concerns me. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And I will, uh, and I could bring this back because in all fairness, to have a balanced conversation, there are many ways in which yeah. women um, take advantage of the vulnerability of men. Right. And um, if, from child support um, type situations to rape to, there's a lot of things that, that leave men very vulnerable and, and women yeah. know it. And then even and, on and, the flip side, I want to speak it could be that he kind of pushed himself a little you know too far a little too far yeah and you know so we don't want to blame a victim if she is truly a victim mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. but it's just so funny mm-hmm. especially with these celebrities we got to be careful absolutely on, on the positions we put ourselves with you know just because she's pretty and she's willing to do it mm-hmm. you know what maybe it i don't might need, not be the best thing to do yeah not not yeah. in the rv at the walmart parking lot yeah you know what i mean yeah that's not good let's let's do some yeah. research before yeah. you get enough that right, you can absolutely. turn one down uh, yeah absolutely right you so, would you would think yeah. but, you know but there is a thing you know about power yeah and that's what rape is all about you know and it's so about it's just power unfortunately he's in that you know whatever it is we just pray that yeah. you know everyone comes out okay yeah absolutely wow okay well um talking about the nfl i think i have talked about the nfl every single show for the past year um ever since kaepernick yeah. started to to kneel and um and it's just interesting how um you know the focus on this has just been so intense not necessarily for the reason that it was intended to be focused on total diversion uh, you know yeah it, now it's about patriotism yeah. and 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 being loyal to the troops and and that kind of thing and um so Vice President Mike Pence um, flew all the way from Vegas to the Indianapolis Colts Colts 49ers game only to leave following the playing of the national anthem because players were protested, uh, because the players protested. So um, this little stunt cost the U.S. um, taxpayers a small Mm -hmm. fee of $242,000 because he went to the game and he just left because and he said, you know, we don't support um, you know, lack of patriotism and that kind Publicity of thing. Stuff, However, if you guys remember, um, what you know, Eminem, he just had a video come Absolutely. out, and he blew yeah. it out of the water with his views on Trump, and he made a really good point in that video when when Pence and Trump talk about patriotism, mm-hmm. and in Trump's campaign, he criticized, um, oh gosh, uh, uh, McCain, he, he, uh. 
for being a captured for being war captured criminal. war and and yeah, said that you know we war. yeah you know I want people who didn't get captured you yeah. know and is that not a lack of patriotism is that Absolutely. not disrespect to the troops so it, you, you're talking out of two sides of your mouth you, you know and it, it just doesn't even make sense so um, so to take this a little bit further Cowboys uh, owner Jerry Jones stated that any of his players his players by the way because he owns them. Um, who kneel during the national anthem, anthem will be benched. Um, and then Jamel Hill, co-host of Sports Center 6 on ESPN, was suspended two weeks by the company for saying that if fans were unhappy with Jones' remarks, they should boycott his sponsors. Um, and then the NFL commissioner, commissioner sent out a memo to all 32 NFL owners that players should, quote, Stand for the national anthem. A meeting will be held next week for a vote on a new rule requiring yeah. players to stand. Yeah. Whew. Really? All economics. <sighs> yes. Protect the shield at all costs. That, but not the cause that originally, no. which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, was uh-huh. about the violence towards black men in Absolutely. with regards to um, police brutality. That was the original intent. Yes. None of these headlines here address that. None at all, and they and they won't. Um, and that's the deflection is to put all this out there and put on everything else. But now um, the NFL is going to protect their shield. Yeah, and they're going to do. And so you know when all the owners band together, that was to protect the shield. Yes. And now, but it's like, whoa, okay, you're getting mm-hmm. messed with our money for real, mm-hmm. and that's not going to happen. Wow, I, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Talk about fire, power. You know, can I say the N word on this show? I don't think so. No, I won't say it. Okay. <laughs> but really, because they really all the players banding together, they count all of them as one Negro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at it. Yeah. You just one Negro. Right. So yeah. we're not going to fold for one Negro. Mm-hmm. And so wow. if you look at it, it's That's like sweet. they're banding together, but we all just, just one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Whew. This is why there needs to be diversity in ownership. Absolutely. And, you know, <laughs> my goodness. So you're awfully quiet over there, Johansson. <laughs> I mean, to me, it's, a, it's, it's, real, it's real clear right now. You know, either you're with it or you're not. Yeah. If you haven't seen that the NFL doesn't seem to really care about its players with CTE, you don't really see that they don't really care about how black people are treated. And, you know, whether you're viewing them or not, and you just got to look at it for your entertainment, okay. Yeah. You know, um, it's sad because I start thinking about when I think about these situations and I start thinking about, you know, cats in the hood who you've been playing football since they were seven, eight years old and want to get to the NFL. Yeah. And they're looking at them. They're looking at it like, okay, well, if you don't want to play, we'll just get these guys. Absolutely. You know, Hmm. um, it's a real crazy system, but you got to stick to your guns or your principles, so people need to really figure out what side of the aisle they're going to be on. Yeah, and that's why, and I and I totally get your point about you know we can think about more more than one thing at one time because I have argued that point quite a bit. Um, I'm going to throw a butt in there, <laughs> but um, you know I, just, I that was one of the reasons why it bothered me so much that we were having this big public all-out fight um you know about that article when when this was going on but i you know i do agree that we can think about more than one thing at once but i i think that it 
I think that we should be able to think about more more things yeah. at, one, at once. And I think that sometimes people can't because they get so caught up in their emotions that they, they lose sight of, of uh, uh, the bigger picture because they're so focused on something yeah. that somebody hurt yeah. their feelings. Right. So, um, okay. Well, we have to go to break. We have five seconds to break, and then I'll catch you when we come back. Okay. All right, so it's really hard to get into this science because the conversation we're having prior to this is just so, so deep, so deep. Um, but we're so we're gonna get back to it. But first, I want to present the science to you um, about in and it's it's brought to you again by Red Door Consulting um, and BBLA Cosmetics. BBLA Cosmetics is um, the company that is responsible for the look on my face today and every week. And um, honestly, I absolutely love the owner. Funmi is an amazing woman, and she has given a lot of insight. She um, often talks to me before the show. You got to make sure you cover this. Make sure you include that. <laughs> so she has some really great insight. I've got to bring her on. Um, but today's research is looking at the new midlife crisis for women, which is interesting because, um, and this is an article that came out of Oprah's, Oprah Magazine, but it was written by Ada Calhoun. And I, it was a very long article, but it was intriguing to me because we, we, when we think of midlife crisis, at least in the past, when I was growing up, we thought midlife crisis, men in their 40s creeping into their 50s. 50s and they see the gray hairs and they start losing hair <laughs> and you know just the, these body changes that are happening that basically say you are no longer in your 20s would usually be the onset of uh, I was going to say post-traumatic <laughs> no of midlife crisis and um, but what we're seeing nowadays if we look at it from the standpoint of women and and the behaviors that would follow would be I need to get a younger woman I need to get a fancy car I need to you know sports car I got to reclaim my youth um, well what we're seeing with Generation X women um, is that there is a a crisis financially so we we are the first generation that has the most educated women mm-hmm. of the cohort but who are believe this believe it or not who are um who have downwardly spiraled from where their parents are mm-hmm. so at this same age group parents secure got the house got savings lot everything pension they're good mm-hmm. this generation of women even though they're more educated um, they are facing, um, uh, you know, more financial hardship than their parents did. And they talk about here with finances um, that we carry more debt than any age group. Um, and that's 37,000 more than the national consumer debt average. Um, we're some of the best educated women in history, and yet we're downwardly mobile. The cost of a home has increased by more than 80% from 1970 to 2000. Um, and in the late 70s, um, annual tuition for four-year college was less than 11000 and now it's three times that. And so now we're trying to help our kids with, with college and all of that, but now we've got more expensive houses, we've got more expensive um, college. Uh, more than half of unmarried Gen Xers have less than 50000 saved. <laughs> Who has this fifty thousand? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and then when a woman takes time off to care for a sick relative, and it's usually the woman who takes the time off, the potential cost in terms of lost wages and social security averages three hundred and twenty-four 
$1,000 over a lifetime. Um, and then if we look at the job market, the, the job market is also a challenge um, for, for women of this generation because they describe Generation X, which is this generation, as the wrong time, wrong place generation. And they noted that they're thwarted by boomers who can't afford to retire. Mm-hmm. And then they're threatened by the prospect of leapfrogging millennials. Um, so we've got 49% of Gen Xers who feel stalled in their careers. So... The midlife crisis, oh, oh, and then there was a whole other piece, which I, I didn't include here, but I did read, um, oh, you know, no, here it is, uh, about the, the physiological changes that happen with women and that it's happening earlier. And I knew I wasn't crazy because I was in my 30s having hot flashes. And all the older <laughs> women were like, baby, that's not hot flashes. And that's not hot. It was hot flashes. So according to this article, ours is the first generation to have gynecologists sit us down as early as our late 30s and tell us that signs like weepiness, hot flashes, or irregular periods can indicate that we have begun perimenopause, a term that no one used 20 years ago, but that is now out there. Hmm. So, man, guys, when y'all are dating us in our 40s, I need you to think about this. We got an old woman on our head. <laughs> Girl, we no. grandma. <laughs> that is not what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, there are some there are some definite challenges um, that are happening with this Gen X uh, situation. It's not necessarily oh we feel like we're old. It's what the heck am I going to do to take care of myself in the next forty fifty years um, because the finances yeah. are not looking good. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome back to Live Exchange. This is Dr. Pamela. So before we, we got into the, uh, what was it, the research? Um, well, actually, I would love to know if either of you have any thoughts or <laughs> responses to the research about Generation X women having a new midlife crisis. Yeah, um, I, I definitely they have the new midlife crisis. And um, because they were so educated, uh, are so educated, that was, you are so educated, um, and you're able to acquire things. You went out and bought things and acquired debt. Um, that you, we wouldn't have that otherwise. you wouldn't have otherwise did, you know. So, you know, in context of Atlanta, you started shopping at Lenox Mall and Phipps Plaza, buying St. John and <laughs> the Louis Vuitton and the Gucci and all that, and didn't necessarily have the cash to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Credit and went on credit. Credit. Well, let me just say, according to this article, the the this wasn't as a result of our spending, but more so the result of the changes in the the economy. You know, with the rise in housing and the yeah, and then we had that, the things. housing crash. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know, uh, they did, yeah. And at that, that time, you know, a single black woman that got out of college, they bought a house, right? And they were Lost giving everything. them away. Yeah. 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 They, they, yeah. That was the first thing I did is bought a house. Me too. And thank God I sold that thing before the crash, before I even knew a crash Same was coming. Here. Same here. You know? But, but they gave me more house than I could afford. Yeah. And I thought it was a blessing. Yeah. I had a big, beautiful house, but we was house poor. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. <laughs> and and me, you know, making kind of a really bad decision, not kind of, um, sold the house and, and made a nice profit on it. And where is it? Where yeah. is it? Is it in the bank? No. No. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's the thing that, you know, I think being educated. Right. Being <laughs> educated about what you do with your money, you know, mm-hmm. really taking the time. And it's not I'm not going to blame people for not educating me. 
I got to learn that for myself. Yeah. You know, I've got to take the time. So now I'm going back and making sure and getting that education. Next time I get that kind of lump sum of money, yeah. what am I going to do with it? You know. Yeah. So, um, but we've been talking about um, the dynamics between black men and black women. And um, for those of you who have anything to say about this, give us a call. You can call us or text us your comments, 678 678- Six one three five eight five seven, and we were talking about the, um, you know, well, I don't know if we want to go back into that conversation. We we're talking about the NFL. It was just such a great yeah, conversation. And yeah. no, what do you say, Johanse? Uh, yeah, no, I, I had a, a point actually to make oh, about that. Yes, I think please that do. The, the the NFL is actually kind of a perfect, almost like small metaphor for even this whole discussion, you know what I mean? Right. Or in that VSB article, you know, you've got black men from childhood throwing their bodies into this game, getting brain damage. Yes, they're getting paid. Yes, they're getting to look like they're powerful and they're all this stuff, but they're breaking inside. And what does CTE do? A lot of the time, CTE causes men to also act aggressive, not to say that they weren't maybe like that before, but then uh, you've seen a lot of women say how their husbands or their dudes were changing seemingly because of it, and then they're getting, you know, the brunt end of it, and then now you have these white owners that are like, either you're going to do what we're saying or else. else. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, we get an article saying that black men are the white people of black people. And right. It's kind of like, sure, in, in, in this dynamic. But, I mean, when we're talking about guys falling apart and dying, and then, you know, yeah. someone else, you know, putting their knee down and, and all those other things, because, I mean, it was it was still, I think, Sandra Bland and a lot of other women yeah, were a lot of um, women involved. named. And, yeah, definitely in that, and, and definitely a part of that kneeling. But, you know, the, the idea, again, when we say that white men are, or black men are the white men of, black people but they're falling apart inside and dying you know then we we got again that's why i i have a bit of an issue with that idea yes i think mentally and how we behave is emulating or trying to emulate our master i think a lot of nfl players want to be owners but you know when you hit that glass ceiling and you're not invited to the country club your male privilege gets you so far when you're black you know what i mean so um so you know that that was really just kind of the point that I was well and to your point of emulation you know there's when we do emulate our oppressors you know as soon as we get an opportunity to 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 have a bit of power it is not unusual and it's shown itself throughout human history that we do what has been done to us yeah. and the only way that we stop that is, is is when we're conscious of it and we make a conscious decision not to um i i talk about in my upcoming book about how human nature, you know, naturally we are here to protect ourselves and our bodies and to make sure that our bodies function and that we can survive. Um, And I think for the greater purpose, which is to protect the human race, you know, once we, but if we're not okay, we're not going to protect nobody. Mm. You know, we are going to be in survival mode. And sometimes being in survival mode means hurting whoever is in our path. In order to for us Absolutely. to survive, we have a warped kind of sense of of survival. You know, yeah, at that we'll point, take mm-hmm. we'll yeah. take yeah, we'll take down whatever we can. Um, and and Johanse, I was saying during the break, um, those of us those are who are on Facebook Live following us heard me say it. Um, but I, I just think why not just start a whole new NFL? I mean, why? You know, yeah, it is hard to become owners. You know, what would happen if every single black player 
in the NFL said, you know what? Let's, and, and you know what? I won't even limit to black. If every single player in the NFL who agrees with what's going on um, in terms of the protest or, or is, is upset about the oppression that's happening just stepped out and said, you know what? We're not playing. We are just not going to play. We will compete amongst ourselves in our own league, but we are not competing in this league. I know it sounds pie in the sky, but it's possible. Uh, uh, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a sports guy. I'll keep it real. But you know, you got. There's more than enough players in the NFL where they say, "Okay, I'm not going to play anymore." Let's say I got this one, two, three million in the bank. That's not going to last me my whole life. So let me take you know twenty thousand and invest it here, and twenty thousand and invest it there. Let's get together and put our money together okay. to make some stuff happen where we invest it in X, Y, and Z, or make our money work for us to where it don't need to be no necessarily NFL playing football, but an NFL of black doctors, right. an Woo. NFL of black lawyers, an mm. NFL of, 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 of new industry. Like, right. we, you know, I, I, I'm gonna, I gotta, I gotta preach on this real quick because, you know, and I, I know you're going to probably have to go to commercial in a second, but yeah. I've been tutoring, I've been tutoring since I was 17. Every black boy, boys in general, but black boys, especially between about seventh to 10th grade, they stopped doing their work. All of them mostly said that they wanted to be an artist or athlete or both. And you, you also, there were athletes that I tutored who their entire system was around them just playing sports. So they didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. So by the time they got to college or got to playing, they don't have no education to then say, well, what do I do? Mm-hmm. So we got to stop siphoning off the idea of quick money. We got to oh, stop yeah. siphoning off the idea of like he's going to make it and pay for the family. We got to really collective, you know, talk about where are all these things going and what kind of people are we are we nurturing and growing. If your boy is just playing basketball and you doing that, yeah, baby, that's good. You gonna go to the NBA? Then he breaks his leg and now he's twenty five and yeah. he got to live for the rest of his life. And that was his whole livelihood, you know? yeah. right? Right? Absolutely. Right? That's that's so deep right there, and and we see that happening with with immigrant families. They band together. They figure out we're pulling all our money and we're gonna you know make it happen. And and gosh. We're in a better position than that. Yeah. We should be able to do that. Um, okay, yes, you're right. The break was coming soon. It's here now. So stay with us, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Live Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, we are getting close to the end, so I want to make sure that um, that we cover, that we, you know, so if you guys who are listening, you have any questions, comments, you want to jump into the conversation, I want to make sure you're able to get that out. Um, you can give us a call, 678 678- Six one three five eight five seven. You can also text that number six seven eight six one three five eight five seven. I'm curious about your thoughts about this. Um, last week we had two guests on the show. They were psychologists, women, black mm-hmm. women, and I would love. I wish that we were all here on this show together. Um, but one of them is uh, she's well. They both focus on bias, and one of them focuses particularly on. Um, different types of sexism that happens. So she brought up the concept, the concept of benevolent sexism, and what benevolent sexism is is the kind of sexism um, that is presented in a casual and nonchalant manner, encouraging both men and women to poke fun at each other. Um, 
you know, it, for example, when a guy asks his girlfriend if, she, if he can fold his clothes because, quote, she's better at chores than he is. Or when a man wants to open a door and do, you know, those gentleman-type gestures and she is kind of resistant to it and he is upset because he feels like she's not falling into her role. Um, and so... It, not that he's so 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 I needed her to clarify this for me when she first said it because I okay. thought oh wait a minute you know I like doors opening and all that she said that's not the issue she said the issue is when a woman is being forced into uh, her place when if she doesn't um, accept the gentleman gestures um, because he doesn't want her to you know I, 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 uh, does, does that make sense I don't know I don't know if I'm saying this right sure uh, <laughs> look, uh, okay you know. Listen, there's there's something that I just want to throw in here, okay? Okay. A lot of I'm going to say a couple of points, and I may not have enough time to explain them all. One, yeah, because you got to keep it short. There are a lot of (laughs) yeah. I I think that there's a lot of women that don't actually understand how men work. Men psychologically don't work the same way that women do. Right. It's not always an issue of I want you to do what I'm telling you to do, but I would like you to accept. I've literally had to say this to women. Mm-hmm. I, I need you to allow me to be generous to you. Mm-hmm. I need you to allow me to treat you well. I've yeah. seen a lot of women, especially in these discussions of how they're treated, they don't, they, they, there's, there's this kind of, you know, paranoia on what ulterior motives are there, and I get mm. that. But, you know, a lot of women don't understand men don't work the same way and communicate the same way. So if you just don't understand men and women that, your opposite communicates in a different way than you do, then it's not necessarily always about trying to subjugate someone. Right. You know, so. And that, and that's that's the thing, because I think what she said makes it benevolent sexism is when a man sees that a woman or perceives that a woman should be, you know, at home, not advancing in her career or has certain ideas that she should be domestic and she resists that. When they have an issue with that, as long as she's domestic, she's fine. Well, she's great. Okay. As soon as she but steps outside just, of that, yes. Then he just yeah. Then just move on to another girl that wants to do that. Like yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> like the, the 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 idea that I'm, or the girl has to say I'm not doing that, so I'm leaving. You know what I mean? There's, so they're there's not a match. Where, yeah, it's not compatible. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so is that so? That is what's called benevolent sexism: is a, a, a person's perception, whether they're male or female, that a woman fits in this box and she needs to stay in that box. Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I don't. Yeah, I can't eat that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and and what and what she was saying is that it comes out in the form of gentlemanly gestures, and you don't really know if it's sexism until those gestures are resisted and it comes out in a pretty bad way, you know, in a negative way. Not, you know, I respect you, but something must be wrong with you kind of thing. So Mm. it's interesting. It's deep. All right. We'll be right back. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. So, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I think a really good demonstration of this, there was this, um, there was this radio show this morning that they do um, uh, matching and hookups and that okay. kind of thing. And this man wanted to be hooked up with a blind woman. He said, she has to be blind. He's not blind. She has to, she has to be blind. He was preoccupied with that. And for me, and I was like, it was the weirdest thing until he said, 
Because I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. But when he said, I need somebody who I can help in that capacity in my life, I was like, ooh, there's something wrong with you. So you want to be in a position of power. You're looking for a relationship in which you can be a position of power. And yeah, I didn't, that's a little sick. And, and Right. And, and I think that's the equivalent of the benevolent sexism. I think it's that. It's I need to find, I need to be with somebody who is in a weaker position yeah. than me so that I can be that, that stronger person. Right. And, and, you know, and so it was just the weirdest, it was the weirdest thing yeah, ever. That's, so, that's a little, yeah. A little sick. Yeah. Yeah. You are. <laughs> Um, yeah, you don't it, know who you are as a person that you have to dominate someone, right? So that yeah, that's a little that's a whole different conversation. So I think it's not about if you open doors or you don't open doors. I think it's about the intent behind it and your perception of the woman. Um, so if your perception is she is weak and she needs me and I want to be in a position where I am needed in that way, yeah. then that's when it's benevolent sexism. You can't necessarily tell from the surface. You get to know when you understand what their intentions are. It's it's interesting. I see. Um, what are you saying, Johanse? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, I'll just quickly say that they also call that, you know, in certain circles, dominant and submissive roles. I mean, yeah. right. sometimes people just, yeah, some people want to enact that fantasy for their life. Yeah, and, and some people, is it yeah. sexist? Yes, if, if you believe that all women should do that and that is your life view, then yes, that's sexist. If you're saying that that's the dynamic that I am comfortable with in, in my, my relationship, house and that that's the way in my relationship and that's how it works, then I think that's a little bit different. But yes. yeah, if you think that the world needs to run one way, then no, you're, you're that's ridiculous. I, I think that is a great distinction, and I think mm-hmm. what it does is it allows us to not generalize yeah. and not look at uh, uh, particular gestures as a, oppressive, but more of a mindset of an individual, and and to be willing to accept what two people decide is okay for them within the context yeah. of a relationship. Um, so, yeah. So on that note. You just don't date him. Uh, right. He's not for me. Yeah, 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 I don't think not he, for you. Yeah, I don't think he would. Yeah. He, I'd drive him crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we, are, we are really close to the end here, and I want to give you both the opportunity to let people know how to reach you if they need to reach you, if there is somebody who is an entertainer and they want to be managed yeah. or... <laughs> How do they get in touch with you, too? Yeah, keep, but try to keep it short and sweet. Um, this is Robert Pierce. You can follow me on Facebook, simply Robert Pierce, or Twitter or Instagram. It's SGI Robert. Again, SGI Robert on Twitter or Instagram. Facebook is just Robert Pierce. Um, yeah, come see me. Um, I do so much more. So inbox me. I'll tell you what else I do. Yep. I do sell insurance. I do a. I go on for days. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Johanse. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Johanse, Y-O-H-A-N-C-E, last name, S-E-R-R-A-N-T. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and all that is Merc80, M-E-R-C-8-0. And uh, be sure to follow the project also that I'm still working on with the homegirl, Adrian Williams, um, which is misrepresented. So M S. R P R S N T D. So it's misrepresented uh, without the vowels on Instagram, and you can find that on Twitter too. 
Okay, cool. And and um and if you all get to the Facebook um live feed, if you can um enter that into there as well, then people can just click on it, um, which would be great. Um one I want you all to mark your calendars for Saturday, November eleventh. Yes. Women, wine and wisdom, seven o'clock PM, downtown Lawrenceville, amazing spot. It's gonna be epic. It's going to be epic. If you want to be a co host of the event, we are going to have a competition because I yeah. want to know who has something to say. So join us. Thank you for tuning into the live exchange where we exchange compelling dialogue around love, politics, and intellect. Join us next Thursday from 11 to 1 right here on the Sensation Station where I will be joined by an author and minister, Mr. Mark Moore, author of Boaz is Dead. Yes, I'm Dr. Pamela. And remember, love yourself to life, dance confidently in the dark, and dream unrealistically wild dreams. Have an excellent week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.